Hello, welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. Today's date is Monday, May 13th, 2017. We're going to continue in our studies in Enoch and the scriptures. And today we want to talk about from Noah to Armageddon, from Noah to Armageddon. And there's a portion here in Enoch from chapter 54 up through chapter, um, through chapter 55 that talk about the times of Noah and the punishment and judgment that came then. And it compares it and relates it to the end time judgment of Armageddon. Of course, we all remember the words of Jesus when he said, like the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. Uh, Here we find in Enoch, the same type of principle, pretty amazing stuff. Once again, at the very least 300 years before the birth of Christ was uh, this type of book written. Of course, I, I believe it's much, much older. Absolutely believe it. Absolutely believe. The more I study this, the more I'm convinced this is the a book for the end times that really opens up our New Testament teaching and uh, what to expect. I don't think I've been more excited about the return of the Lord in my whole life. Um, and it wasn't a fault of my own. It's just that, you know, when you follow uh, prophecy as it comes down from teachers and Bible teachers and stuff, it's very confusing. And those things that I don't understand, you know, it just, you just put aside. Um, and it's like, well, I don't understand it, so I can't really delve into it. And of course that causes, you know, some unbelief or disbelief in a lot of things. But as I begin to study Enoch and compare it with the scriptures and see these things opened up, then you begin, Hey, you know what, what I did hear back then, that was correct. I need to rechange my thinking or what I used to think this way is not correct. I need to rechange my thinking. So you always have to have an open mind and open heart and uh, align it with the scripture. It makes sense. But anyway, so we're going to talk about Noah and the flood and Armageddon. Okay, so let's begin in chapter 54, verse 1. I'll read Enoch. And once again, I'm, I'm using this translation slash paraphrase from John D. Ladd. Um, there's more scholarly works out there. In fact, I found one from, um, what's his name? I want to give this to you in case you guys are interested in this. His name is George Nicholsberg. It's like the latest scholarly work on Enoch. And he has like, if you go to Amazon, he has like three books. It's kind of confusing. But the the one um, I got is the commentary. It's it's something like 640 pages long. It's a scholarly commentary. I mean, this, this guy's a scholar. And um, it sells for 76 bucks, so it's not cheap. But, you know, that's worth it for me because I, I, I love this stuff. So um, they say it's like the best translation. He's used the Ethiopian uh, first Enoch. He's used the Slavonic, the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew. He's put it all together and uh, try, try to put together the best translation that so far we have and a commentary on those words. The other, um, he has a 184-page uh, book of Enoch that's not the commentary but just the translation for 1798 so you got to be careful which one you get so 1798 doesn't include the commentary um, and then he has like an older work 
that, uh, and I got that one also, that has um, the earlier chapters of commentary. So anyway, I got off my wallet and spent some money, but um, and then I ordered another one from, from another guy, and we'll talk about that later. That's not really a commentary, but it's a, a book that came out in March. Another scholar, um, but anyway, it's... I, I know. I just find it that it, it is. It is. It's for the last days, and that's how he opens the book. He says, "This is for the the blessed, righteous ones who will be living in the last days." And um, here it is. It's resurging, and I'm just you know I'm just praying that a lot of people will will find it and, and find the truth in it, and realize just how close we are, and separate more and more from the world. All right. Okay, so let me begin. Chapter 54, verse 1. Book of Enoch, it says, I then looked at another place and I saw a deep valley burning with fire. Okay, remember he's being translated by the angels and showing a lot of different things up in the heavenlies and in the middle earth and things like that. Verse 2, he says, the kings and rulers of the earth were thrown into that valley of fire. So right there, you have to ask yourself the question, who are the kings and rulers of the earth that Enoch sees thrown into a valley of fire? Well, I'm going to show you these are not human kings. This, this is not the president of the United States, and it's not the president of Russia or prime ministers. These are angelic beings. These are those hidden beings that have been running the show, running the earth since the flood since the days of Jared, when they came down and made it with the daughters of men. That's really what it's all about. That's what Jesus Christ came to reverse, and he reversed that through his salvation. It's something that's imperative to understand so you do know what you're saved from and why you're saved from it. It's a reversal of Mount Hermon. It's a reversal of what the watchers did. So that's who they are because Enoch himself tells you in verse 5 who they are. It says, these are for the host of Azazel. Azazel. So that's who they are. They're not earthly kings. They're kings and rulers of the earth. Well, that helps you when you start reading New Testament passages and also Old Testament passages and other things. And it talks about the kings of the earth, the mighty of the earth. You know, they're talking about these fallen angels. Uh, these fallen watchers, uh, some today call them aliens, some call them Illuminati, you call them whatever you want, but there are the hidden ones behind the scenes using their, um, their children, their disembodied spirits of their children, their giants, what we would call demons or wicked spirits or spirits to lead men astray, to lead the world astray. That's the total purpose. That's what you're dealing with. That's why Paul says, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers, things like that. See how this all kind of makes sense. So in verse uh, two, like I said, the kings and the rulers of the earth were thrown into that valley of fire. Verse three, I watched as they made heavy chains. They're talking about the, the other angels uh, for them. The angels of punishment made heavy change for them. Chains. I asked the angel, quote, for whom are these chains made? And he answered, these are for the host of Azazel. So that shows you who the kings and rulers of the earth are at the, at the point. Azazel. They will be thrown into the lowest part of hell 
or Sheol, or what first uh, what Peter calls, I'm sorry, for Second um, Peter two four and five calls um, hell. It's translated hell, but it is the Greek word Tartarus, Tartarus, which is the lowest part of Sheol. It's um, the Greeks called it Tartarus. That's in your King James Bible. And that's what they're talking about. They're thrown into the lowest part of Tartarus or hell. And their jaws will be covered with heavy stones as the Lord of Spirits has commanded. So this is uh, for the cause of the flood, for the cause of the first destruction of the earth. All right. This is not the valley of fire. You have to understand all of this is prophetic. Enoch in verse one is seeing a deep valley burning with fire. He's seen the kings and rulers thrown into this valley of fire. When he asked about that, the angel says, these are the host of Azazel, which means are the armies of Azazel. They're the other fallen angels that came with Azazel. And they're thrown into the lower parts of Tartarus. Now, that is not the valley of fire. This is, is, this is the prison that they're in until the final judgment day. And... Um, so that's important to understand. In verse 6, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Phanuel, these are all the, the angels of God, archangels, will bind them and throw them into the furnace of fire on that day. Say, so right now, they're in Tartarus. They're bound. They're earthbound in the earth in the lower parts of Sheol until the day they're actually thrown into the valley of fire or the lake of fire for eternal punishment for what they did. So he says, uh, they will bind them and throw them into the furnace of fire on that day. Thus the Lord of spirits will have vengeance on their sin for they became servants of Satan and led astray people of the earth. Now uh, there's a question here that I have. Does that mean they led people astray on earth, even post flood? And if they did, how did they do that? Did they, did they do that through their children, their disembodied spirits, their demonic spirits, their hybrid children that they mated with the daughters of men? Um, I, believe, I believe that to be the case. And maybe perhaps, and this is just me spitballing, that because they're in Tartarus, Tartarus as a prison, they're in an earth prison, but they're not limited to moving up and down the earth going to and fro the earth and causing havoc and, you know, having blinky lights in the sky and flying saucers in the sky, but they can't ascend to the throne of God. They can't ascend into the heavens. They could be on the earth and the earth's atmosphere type of thing. So that's kind of my theory on that. Also that, that just because they are um, thrown into the lowest parts of hell or Tartarus, and covered with heavy stones, which means they're in the in the in the middle of the earth and this uh, you know the hollow earth type of thing doesn't mean that they are inactive. They won't be inactive until the very last days. In fact, Revelation talks about these 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 angels who are underneath the the river Euphrates uh, prepared for uh, a year, a day, a month, or whatever, for that time to come out and wreak havoc in the last days. So they're, they're going to be released anyway, but somehow uh, either they or new watchers who've come post-flood and mixed their seeds, um, either way, what you have is an unseen realm, unseen angelic realm, call them watchers, aliens, whatever you will, running the show. Uh, people like Putin and Trump and uh, the world leaders, there's human 
um, they're just human puppets to the kings of the earth, the real kings of the earth. So you need to understand that. So where your your evil comes from, all right. So in uh, verse seven, in that day, okay. Now we're back to the flood. In that day, the punishment of the Lord of Spirits will come, and all the storehouse of water above the earth and the water from within the earth will come. These waters will join the male and female. All those who dwell on the earth will be destroyed. When the floods come, many will cry out and admit their sin, yet they shall die in the flood. So Enoch is, it's the writings talking about the flood, but while it's talking the flood, it's shooting into the future, into that last day when they're thrown into the valley of fire also, so, because it's all one. You understand? And I'm going to go back in greater detail. I just want to read that to you. Uh, I want to read Enoch to you, then I'll go back into some greater commentary. Chapter 55, verse 1, Enoch says, uh, "The first. this is the first book of Enoch, the only uh, legitimate book of Enoch. 55, verse 1 says, After this, the head of days repented and said, I have destroyed, that's past tense, I have destroyed by the flood those who dwell on earth. And now here's future tense. But I must yet judge the fallen angels who caused this sin. So you can see right here in this verse, there's a past tense. I have destroyed by the flood. There's a future tense. But I must yet judge the fallen angels who caused this sin. So therefore, there's a final judgment to the fallen angels. Um, However, they are in Tartarus. These particular angels that... um, and their sin caused the flood. These particular angels are in Tartarus and the lower parts of Sheol. Um, like I said, Peter writes about that also in the New Testament. Verse 2, chapter 55, And he swore by his own name, I will never again destroy all men by a flood, but I will put a sign in heaven as a pledge between me and them forever. And that's the rainbow. And that's why you have the gay agenda and this evil agenda, stealing that sign and making a mockery of it. They do a lot of of things like that, stealing the things of God and, and mocking it. Verse three. Uh, oh, and by the way, like what I just said, you have to remember, we're still in the second teaching of Enoch. And this will end the second teaching of Enoch. But this whole second teaching is about the rejectors of God. This is what happens to those who reject God. So when I'm talking about the gay agenda and the rainbow, these are rejectors of God. This is what this is about also. So, uh, so he's going to, he says, I'll never destroy the, the world uh, by a flood. I'll put a sign in heaven, a pledge between me and them forever. And that ends the, that ends the talk of the flood. That's that kind of ends that right there. And then it goes on and it says, however, at my command, and now he's, he's talking back in the future, the day will, will come. When my angels shall bind those fallen angels, this is still future tense, both for Enoch writing this, it's future post-flood, and it's still future for us right now. However, at my command, the day will come, this is the day of the Lord, when my angels shall bind those fallen angels, and my anger and wrath will be finally executed upon them, finally. So this is still future post-flood. So I hope you can understand that in this, these passages I just read to you, there is um, a talk 
about the flood, which was still future for Enoch, but it's our past, the flood and the, and the angels that caused the sin that caused the destruction of the earth the first time. And where they're at, they're put into the lowest parts of Sheol, the middle earth, the hollow earth. They're put in there. Whether you believe the earth is round or flat doesn't make much difference. It doesn't make much difference, really. Um, there is a center, a hollow earth. There's a whole, the Sheol down there, there's a whole land down there. And this is a part of, of where they're at. And um, so I, I personally believe that they're earthbound. I don't know if they're necessarily inactive, but they are earthbound. They can ascend into heaven at this point. And then at the last days, they will be judged and thrown into a valley or lake of fire eternally. Okay. Chapter 56, verse 1. Now we're talking about the day of the Lord. Now we're getting into some... Um, Armageddon stuff. So we're going from the flood to Armageddon, from from Noah to Armageddon, as in the days of Noah shall it be uh, in the days of the Son of Man when he returns. And it says, And I saw many angels of punishment holding chains of bronze and iron. And I asked the angel of peace who was with me, where are the angels going with these chains? And he answered, Each of these is going to the one they were to have been a guardian angel, and they will lead them to the great valley. Uh, perhaps this term guardian angel, perhaps, and this is once again, Paul spitballing here. It's just another term for a watcher, for one who guards, one who should have been a watcher that was assigned to assist mankind uh, in their development and growth in their technology. Uh, what happened with these Fallen angels, these fallen watchers, they showed man technology uh, that wasn't necessarily all bad, but some of it was way before the time they should have had it type of thing. Azazel is accredited with like the most egregious crimes, and that was teaching men war and giving them weapons of war, though we don't quite know what those weapons were. Um, I would imagine they were someone, something similar to what we have today. Um there are places in India uh, where there is what they call uh, this is a fusion of this such high heat and rock that it turns to glass. And um, also the ancient, you know, Indian writings talk about flying machines. That's where you get the flying carpet and all this stuff. Uh, these, these weapons of war that go way, way, way back. So uh, let me continue. And so they're going to, uh, get these angels the angels of god are going to gather these these angels that should have been guardian or you know watching and they're going to lead them to the great valley and that valley shall be filled with these sinners they're called sinners and their days of causing others to sin will end there so that makes me think that they're still causing others to sin today and not just pre-flood that they're still part of uh, sitting, which would make sense. Uh, it would make sense that after the flood, the atmosphere changed, the greenhouse effect changed. Uh, men started living much, much uh, shorter period of times. The environment changed. And perhaps they could not um, continue on their hybrid program like they were before, but have taken years and years to perfect it. And this is where you get these hybrid things like gray aliens and these flesh suits and things like that. 
I'm spitballing here, but I'm just trying to um, stimulate some thinking here. And verse four of chapter 56 says that valley shall be filled with these sinners and their days of causing other sin will end there. And like I said, it reads as if the bound angels in Tartarus still have ability to cause others to sin. I'm not absolutely sure about this, but it, it kind of reads that way. And so perhaps being bound in Tartarus restricts their movement to the heavens, but it leaves them earthbound, you know, in our atmosphere. And these are the blinky lights you see. These are the cigar shapes going into volcanoes. These are the flying saucers, the UFOs, the lights in the sky. That's what you're seeing. Um, but yet they're still active on earth. And obviously they still use their disembodied children, their demons to afflict men. That's obvious. And chapter 56, verse five, it says in those days, the angels will cause trouble for the Parthians and Medes. And what angels are you talking about? I think he's talking about the Tartarus fallen angels are released and they're, or they're still active, but they're released to create havoc in those last days of the tribulation that brings on Armageddon. In those days, the angels will, will cause trouble for the Parthians and the Medes. Where are those people located? Those people are located in the Middle East. In the Middle East, that's where Armageddon is. <clears throat> and an evil spirit shall come upon these evil rulers and cause them to leave their thrones. Now, I do believe those evil rulers are humans that are that possessed of the devil. And they get influenced and caused to leave their thrones to go to war. And they will come like lions and hungry wolves to a flock of sheep. They're going to they're go out to destroy. They're going to make war. This is the, all in the Middle East area. It's going to be global, though. And here we talk about Armageddon, verse 6, chapter 56. They shall come to the land of my chosen ones and trample the land with their armies. Now, before you get all excited and see Israel here, this isn't Israel. The land of the chosen ones is not Israel. The land of the chosen ones is where Christ's army comes back to Armageddon to fight the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and all these fallen angels, and they're finally destroyed. Um, if you're not fighting now, spiritually, you're not in the fight now, you're probably not going to be fighting later on when you come back to earth as a warrior. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you can't run with a footman, you're not going to be able to run with a horseman. If you can't serve God in a time of peace like we're at now, you're not going to serve God in a time of famine and war. Uh, it's imperative. Spiritual warfare is imperative. I'm not trying to sell a book here or give you um, a shameful commercial, but if you don't understand spiritual warfare, you don't have a grasp of it, or you think it's for other people to do and not you, you really need to get our book, Demons in My Marriage Bed. It's not about marriage. It's about, it's for everybody. We titled it Demon in the Marriage Bed because Lynn and I are married and we went through all this stuff and it had something to do with our marriage. But the attacks of Satan, what goes on in there in our testimony, it lays out what happens to a person in the unseen realm. But the second half of the book is all a training manual about spiritual warfare. It's about how to recognize the tactics and how to deal with them spiritually. It's, in, it's imperative that you have this in your life. It, it really is. If you're not fighting now, how are you going to come back and fight in Armageddon? Think about it. You know, 
if you're a policeman sitting in the car with the doors locked because you're scared to get out and confront, you know, the gang members on the street, how, how are you going to how are you going to pass probation? How are you going to be a real cop? Uh, you know, I just I'm just saying. So I'm not trying to give a, a shameless commercial plug, but our book Demons in a Marriage Bed, you can get it on Amazon or you can go to fifthhookmedia.com as all our books there. Read about it. It's dirt cheap. You know, I don't know. It's ten, eleven bucks. Uh, it's 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 good stuff. All right. So they shall come to the land of my chosen ones and trample the land with their armies. The land of the chosen ones is Armageddon. Christ is going to come back and fight, and you, if you're a Bible believer warrior right now, are coming back with him. When they reach the city, these are the evil angels and the Parthians and the Medes, the kings of the the earth or the rulers that are stirred up. When they reach the city of my righteous ones, once again, that city is not Jerusalem. That's not Israel. That has nothing to do with the nation state called Israel today. That is Armageddon. That's where Christ and his army, they're the chosen righteous ones. You've been raptured at this point and you're coming back in the last days in the battle of Armageddon to destroy or to assist in destroying all the evil. I think that's cool. I can't wait. They shall begin to slaughter talking about the rulers, uh, the evil rulers and Kings that are influenced by these fallen angels that have stirred up the Parthians and the Medes. They shall begin to slaughter each other in confusion Man will kill his neighbor, a son will kill his father or mother. This will continue until the dead bodies fill the city. This city is not Jerusalem, not Israel. Once again, it is Armageddon. And in that time, Sheol, that's the center of the earth, will open its mouth and swallow up sinners as the chosen watch. So the earth is going to split asunder. Isaiah talks about the earth splitting asunder. It splits in two. <laughs> You know, when you're talking about man will kill his neighbor, a son will kill his father. Uh, Christ talks about that. Ezekiel talks about this. It's the valley. It's, it's Armageddon. Okay, we're coming back to fight that fight. We are going to be part of the destruct. Don't you know that you yourselves will judge angels? That's what Paul told the church. I tell you the same thing. Don't you know that? We're going to come back and and fight. Chapter 57, verse 1. After this, I saw, check it out, as it were, men in chariots, not angels in chariots, men in chariots, flying in the sky, come from the east and west. Now, that's easy to look at that and go, God, those are airplanes. They're talking about jets. I think the book of Enoch goes well beyond human inventions and human things that we see. Um, these are probably spacecraft or something bigger. Uh, it could be jets. It could be military jets or helicopter, but I'm everything in Enoch's huge. I mean, the sky falls, the earth is split asunder. It's swallowing up people. They could be jets. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that Enoch sees as it were men in chariots flying in the sky coming from the east and west. And then he says, these chariots made great noise and a great shaking of the earth was seen and heard the whole day. 
This is the battle of Armageddon. This is a war. And guess what? Verse three says, and all will fall. All will fall. All, 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 all will fall down and worship the Lord of spirits. How many? How many are defeated of the evil? One, two, a third, a fourth? No, it says, and all, all fall down and worship the Lord of spirits. This is the end of the second teaching of Enoch. So this is the end of the teaching, Rhea, the rejectors of God. This is the end. This is what happens to them, the rejectors of God. Right? So that is the total text of Enoch regarding from the flood to Armageddon. Pretty interesting. So I'm going to stop for a commercial break, and then we'll go into the commentary. I'm stopping at 28.50. Welcome to the Remnant Resistance. Welcome to the Remnant Resistance. Resisting and fighting the enemies of God. You are listening to the Kapow Radio Show Network. What? And Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. You can hear all the shows on archive anytime or as an iTunes download. Our topics include the paranormal, the supernatural, and spiritual warfare. The Kapow Radio Show is sponsored by Fifth Hook Media. Visit fifthhookmedia.com to see our ebooks about spiritual warfare. That's F I F T H O O K media.com. Keep up the good fight. We are glad you joined us. Welcome back. All right, welcome back to the things you once believed in, to the things that you knew were right from the start. Welcome back to Kapow. All right. Okay, so many of you already know this stuff, but I'm going to go over it again very quickly. This is also in our book, Demons and uh, Marriage Bed. There's a whole chapter on uh, disembodied spirits and demons and their origin and everything like that. Uh, in the Bible, we're told a little bit about the fall of many angels that started some years before the flood. Uh, everybody should be familiar, very familiar with Genesis 6, 1 through 4, the sons of God. They were angels. They were tempted by the fair women of the earth in sin through fornication. If you hear the teaching that the sons of God were the sons of Seth, mating with the daughters of Cain, that is a lie. That is ridiculous. It's nonsense. It can be disproven scripturally, logically, intellectually. It's nonsense. Those are people who are afraid of the spiritual. Those are people who do not have the spirit to reveal to them the truths of the spirit. Nonsense. The sons of God, Ben Elohim, Ben Elohim in Hebrew, are angels. In Job, we have the sons of God on a certain day going before the throne of God. One of those sons of God, Ben Elohim, was Satan, who then was able to test Job's moxie. And he was walking to and fro the earth, but also up and down in the earth, up and down, which means the earth has a center, a hollow, whether it's flat or spherical matters little. All right, sons of God. Enoch tells us there were 220 of them. There were 20 leaders of 10 each. They landed upon Mount Hermon, and they proceeded to try to corrupt the lineage of Adam and Eve. You know why? They wanted to stop the coming of the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent. That's our Jesus Christ. That's, this is what it's all about. 
This Christ came to destroy the works of Satan, to reverse Mount Hermon. To reverse Mount Hermon. Okay, you don't believe me, and you don't believe Enoch, maybe you'll believe Josephus, the Jewish historian. Josephus says, and this is found in Josephus, um, the book of Antiquities, book 1, chapter 31. Josephus, book of Antiquities, book 1, chapter 31. Josephus says, many angels of God accompanied with women and begat sons that proved unjust, despisers of all that was good. These men did what resembled the acts of those the Grecians called giants. Josephus said that. Historian. The Grecians called giants. What does that mean? When you read the the Greek mythology of Zeus and Hercules and all the, the gods, the giants, the tyrants, there is a kernel of truth into those things. Those things existed. The ancients knew this. Only today are we stupid and don't realize our own past. It is to our detriment because Hercules was a bad dude, right? You wouldn't want to face a Hercules. You wouldn't want to fight him, right? Well, guess what happened to his spirit when he became disembodied? He became a demon. Now that demon is visiting you at night. What are you going to do? You going to fight Hercules? I don't think so. The anti-Nicene fathers are also referring to angels. They refer to them as falling into impure love of virgins and were begotten of them those who are called giants. Now that's found in volume 2, page 142, also volume 8, page 85, 273 of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, the writing. In the Old Testament, the New Testament teach that angels committed sex sins, lived contrary to their nature. Obviously, we have Genesis 6, 1 through 4, which you should, you should know very well. The sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were fair. They took them wives. There were giants or Nephilim in the earth in those days. Also after that, also after that, that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bared children unto them. Also after that, after the flood, they did it again. They keep doing it. Second Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, which is the Greek word Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness. Wow, that sounds just like Enoch and his chains that he saw. Huh, interesting. Delivered into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. What? Judgment? That just sounds like Enoch, like the last days, the throne into the valley of fire. Go figure. June 6, 7. And the angels who kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. <laughs> that sounds just like I just what I just read you in Enoch. <sighs> yeah. And Jude 6, 7 continues and says, uh, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, going after strange flesh, giving themselves over to fornication. That's what was going on. Homosexuality is a direct demonic manifestation of someone who has demonic spirits in them. Disembodied Nephilim. It's a sign of the end. And we also are told in 1 Peter 3, 19 and 20, 
by which also he, that's Jesus, went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, which sometime were disobedient, when the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. That was 120 years, by the way, that God says, I will no longer strive with man. He is, he is uh, also flesh, um, and I give him 120 years. And 120 years later, there comes a flood. So God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that's only eight souls, were saved by water. So Jesus went down, and when it says he preached to them, he didn't save them or give them salvation. It's too late. He went and declared what happened. Uh, He triumphed over them. He said, guess what, fools? Here I am. Guess what I just did? Guess what I'm doing? You're screwed. That's, that's what that's about. Enoch also talks about uh, fallen angels. A lot of details. Let's go to Enoch chapter 106, 13 and 14. It says, for since my father, Jared's day, the fallen angels have been sinning. They sin and are promiscuous with women. They have begotten children. Enoch 6, 1 through 6 says, and the sons of men multiplied upon the earth. Fair and beautiful daughters were born. The angels of heaven saw and desired them. They encouraged each other to come. Let us take these daughters of men to begat children for us. Simyaza, their leader said, if you do this deed, I alone will have to answer to God for it. They all answered him and said, let us equally take any blame for this and then carry out our plan. They bound each other to curses to carry out their plan and share blame for actions. And it goes on to how many did it and the number that came down. And they were on Mount Hermon when they did it. Interesting, Mount Hermon. And they took these uh, curses, these uh, imprecations upon themselves. They called this Mount Hermon because it was there they bound one another to sacred curses. And then um, Enoch describes and uh, says that that sin led to great trouble. Enoch 7, 1 through 2 says they each chose a woman and were defiled with them. The women became pregnant and bore large giants. They were extremely tall. The angels begat giants. The giants beget Nephilim. You get it? There's different races here. The first, the first was an angel-woman hybrid. And these were giants, or what's translated as giants. And then, but Enoch says, then they begat Nephilim, which is, comes from the Hebrew root of fall, you know, fallen ones, the ones who fall. And then, and the Nephilim begat Eliud. So these hybrids are then having more sex with other humans and intermixing the seed, intermixing the seed, the DNA of uh, humans, corrupting the DNA. Uh, Noah was pure in his DNA, was he not? Noah was pure. He was pure from the, the, the line of Adam through Seth. His DNA and his sons and their wives were not corrupted. But it didn't take long, about 2,000 years, to corrupt the entire world with alien DNA. If you doubt that entire world today is not corrupted with alien DNA, you live in a rock somewhere um, with your head in the sand. Everybody is corrupted. You get uncorrupted. You can change your spiritual DNA only through Jesus Christ, which creates a new creature in you. That's it. Everybody else is infected. That's why there will be judgment. There has to be judgment. 
Thus, Enoch teaches in harmony in the Bible story, but adds greatly to our knowledge. The angels in Scripture are all male that we see. God didn't create them to reproduce, yet they did possess the power to do so. That's obvious. Now, in Enoch 15, 6 through 7, we read, But you were made eternal, immortal for all the ages. Because you're angels, right? So I did not make you to beget children. You were made for heaven, not earth. You dig it? These were heavenly children. They're angels. They were not made for earth. They didn't have to reproduce. They're immortal already. Let's go to Matthew twenty-two thirty, when Christ is, is reprimanding the scribes for their ignorance. He says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. You get it? Enoch writes, I did not make you to beget children. You were made for heaven, not earth. Jesus says they are as the angels of God in heaven. The angels of God in heaven do not marry. They're not given in marriage. They don't have to reproduce. That's what we're going to be like when we get resurrected. We're going to be like the angels of heaven, not like the angels that are now on earth that decided to leave their first estate. The purpose of marriage and the begetting of children is to replenish the earth. Since man is mortal, he needs to bear seed to carry on life. Jesus did not say that angels were sexless, only that they did not need to reproduce to carry on their existence. Adam was created male before Eve was created. God gave Eve to Adam so he wouldn't be alone on the earth. Together they beget the first of the ones that now have replenished this earth. The angels have no need to reproduce since they are eternal. Yet since they are all male, the possibility to reproduce is there. During Enoch's time, many were leaving their first estate and succumbing to temptation. Enoch 10, verses 11 through 14. Uh, then the Lord told Michael, go tell Shemyaza and those with him who have corrupted themselves with women after you have seen your sons devour each other. What does that mean? War. They were giving a war. Just like the days of Noah, it's going to be like the days of the Son of Man. Look around you. They're killing each other. The liberals are fighting the conservatives, and the conservatives are fighting the liberals, and the countries are fighting this country. And this They're killing each other. They destroy each other before the end. After you've seen your sons devour each other, you will be bound for 70 generations. <clears throat> this all ties in. I'll give a later teaching uh, some weeks from now about the 70 weeks of Daniel. It ties into the 10 weeks of Enoch or, or seven week theory, 7,000 years. It goes with the 70 shepherds. These all relate to the same thing from the beginning of creation to the end of time, but they're looked at at different perspectives. In Daniel, it's this is for your people in your city. Talking about Israel and the Jews, Daniel 70, 70 weeks, but it goes to the end of time. Enoch's 10 weeks are just incredible. 10 weeks of, of the history of mankind. We're going to get in that probably three weeks, Lord willing. Um, so he says you're going to be bound for 70 generations. It goes, it goes with that. Under the hills of the earth until the day of judgment has come. So they're bound there. Whether they're active or inactive, I don't really know. I know demonic spirits are, and then there were other watchers who came after the flood and did the same thing. Maybe they're the ones that are active. 
But what I do know is on that day of judgment, they will be sent into the abyss of fire, that, that valley of fire, and have torment in their eternal prison. Then Shemyaza will burn and see eternal destruction with them. See, these angels sought forgiveness um, but the, because they had seen God in his power, his holiness. They knew their sin, but they did it anyhow. There's no atoning to pay for their sins. God provided for mankind, but God gave no forgiveness to the angels. Um, it goes on. Enoch 13, verses 4, uh, and then 7 through 8. They asked me to write a prayer petition to the Lord, asking his forgiveness. They wanted me to deliver it to the Lord, sat down by the river of Jordan. He goes on. The angels were trying to get Enoch to say, hey, petition God for it. We can't talk to him no more. We can't see his face. That's what I mean. They're like earthbound now. They can't, now they, they can't get up there. Um, of course, God uh, denied that. Yeah, Simyaza and all the ones that fell are going to be uh, bound. Of course, Azazel was accredited the, the greatest sin for warfare. Let's see. Let's see. The giants in Enoch 7, verse 4 through 5, the giants then begin to devour men. This is what happens when they, they hybrid. Then they begin to devour all kinds of birds, animals, reptiles, fish, finally each other's flesh. Here's cannibalism, and they drank blood. Here's vampirism. You listen to Freedom Friday, our last show. We talk about cannibalism and blood. And this is part of the end days. Uh, behavior manifestation of these fallen ones and their children. Their end came at the time of the flood. Just uh, before the flood, God allowed a war between the giants to occur. They began to kill each other. The flood killed all the remaining giants and their descendants. God didn't want this corrupted seed of mankind to prevent Jesus from being able to come and die for all of mankind. By being a direct descendant of Adam, the seed had to remain pure God found Noah perfect. The word perfect is tamim, meaning bodily perfection, not moral perfection. Means Noah was directly ascended from Adam without angelic corruption of his seed. So God saved Noah and his family. There was only eight that were able to be saved. Everybody else was corrupted in their seed. He wiped out the results of the sins of the fallen angels. Enoch also tells us that the source of some of the demonic spirits that dwell on earth is the spirits of the giants born to these angels. See, you know, you start just reading the Bible and you, you go to the New Testament and you go, where did demons come from? You know, obviously they existed. Jesus is casting them out. He's talking to them, all kinds of stuff. You have no idea where they come from. Enoch tells you this. In uh, chapter 15, 8 through 12, 16 and 1, he says, Now the giants that you have produced will become evil spirits upon the earth. This is God telling this to the fallen angels. They will be bound to earth because they were born from the fallen angels. These will be called spirits of the evil ones. Hmm, evil spirits. The dwelling place of the spirits of heaven is in heaven. So there's spirits in heaven, you know. But there's also spirits on the earth. I'll continue. So likewise, the dwelling of spirits born on earth is earth. These spirits of the giants shall attack. Here's what demons do to you, folks. Demons, these spirits of the giants shall attack, fight, break, and cause sorrow. They will eat no food, nor thirst, nor will they be seen. These spirits will be against the men and women of the earth because they came from them in the day of destruction. When the giants die, their spirits will leave their bodies. 
Their bodies shall be destroyed until the great judgment day when their final end of judgment will come. In other words, demons are here to run amok and do whatever demons do with impunity until judgment day. There's nothing you can do about it. Christ has given you authority over them. You can bind them. You can prevent them from attacking you if you live under the covenant of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're just flapping in the wind because there's nothing else you can do about it. That's why so many people are sick and ill, and there's, there's so many sorrows and problems in the earth. It's, there's so much. Um, they're, they're here to destroy. That's what they do, and they hate humans. They hate humans. The source of demonic spirits has always intrigued mankind. And why do they hate us so much? Whether they desperately want to inhabit the body of a person because they're disembodied. That's why God didn't create them. You know that the fallen angels created demons by having sexual relations with human women, creating some creature, some giant. And then when they die, they're, 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 they're part, they're part immortal already. Part human, part angel, part human. God never created that. So Enoch answers these questions. The angels gave birth to these evil spirits. They'd been wicked giant beings who hated mankind. They, they ate men. They drank their blood. They consumed everything. And now there's spirits, these same, these same people, these same creatures roam the earth. And they miss having their own body, wouldn't you? So they seek to possess a body. Demonic possession's been a problem of this world for many centuries. And see, the more, the darker this age gets, the more kids have come to these weird demonic video games and hypnosis through the internet and television and movies and pop culture and follow rock stars and celebrities and take selfies. And I'm serious. And the more you entrench yourself in the alien technology and allow it to control you, the more you open up the portal for demonic control and possession. That's what they want. They want your body. They want your body. And you exercise them out. You go to the Catholic Church and they, uh, they exercise them out in the name of Jesus. And guess what? They leave. You know why? Because they got to leave in the name of Jesus. But they don't have to stay gone. What happens is they go out. And Jesus says they go out. And um, a spirit leaves a man. And he goes out and he's in the dry places. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want to be out in the desert. He likes that moist body, 70% water. He doesn't like the dry place. He comes back. He finds that house, that original home he was kicked out of by the Catholic priest. And um, that guy is all swept and clean. But guess what? He hasn't filled up his spirit, his soul seat. He hasn't filled up with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't put Christ in his life. He's still living like an, in, like an idiot, right? So that spirit says, hey, it's clean and swept up. He, he brings seven more spirits more wicked than him. And then they come in and inhabit that guy. The end result of that guy is worse than, than the first before he got the spirit kicked out of him. Now, I, I personally have experienced this with people doing deliverance on people. And they were worse off than when I originally started working with them. That's why I'm really, really careful about casting out demons out of people unless they, they absolutely unequivocally are willing to repent of sin. If they're not willing to repent of all sin and give their life 100% to Christ, I will not work with them because they end up worse than when they started. A true story. I can tell you story after story. I had a pool guy uh, in Hemet, California, that uh, I had for six years uh, before we uh, 
started working with him to cast some demons out. He was a Christian man. And I tell you what, um, he was, by the time we got done, uh, over a period of months, uh, he kept sinning and sinning and he would not repent after God had told him specifically of certain sins to repent. He wouldn't repent. And, uh, he ended up in a loony bin and, uh, up to this day, he's crazy as could be full of demons. Um, but see, once you've tasted of Christ, you've tasted of, of salvation, and then you go back, now there's no, other, there's no other salvation for you. There's no more sacrifice. You've already taken that sacrifice and screwed it over. You can't go back. You can't, that's why I always harp on once saved, always saved is just a lie. You can't, you can't go back. If you're in an amusement park and they give you a band to get into the, the amusement park, right? And they go, as long as you have this band in, you can go to the parking lot, you know, get your water, you can come back into the park. You got the band on, right? That's your pass. You paid, right? But then you go out in the parking lot and you go, I don't need this band. You take the band off your wrist and you do your thing. Then you try to get back in. You can't because the price has already been paid. And now you've you got rid of that. You can't redo that. I don't know if that makes sense. Anyway, I want to get off topic here. So now the uh, the giants are uh, evil spirits on the earth, and um, the whole earth is ruined by the teaching of the works of Azazel. That's in Enoch ten eight. Azazel. That's a good um, that's a good study in itself because that is in the Old Testament. The the scapegoat Azazel sending out to the um, you know, the desert, that's something good. Um, I'm kind of running out of time here. So let me, let me go. Um, once again, you know, let me Ephesians six twelve. our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You dig it? They're, they're, fallen angels there's demonic spirits there's earthbound spirits they're all around us and their whole job is to destroy you uh, the devil knows the signs of the times he knows that the time is near believe me he knows that uh, he knows that and the uh the the first coming of jesus christ they you know the scriptures say had they known what was going to happen they would have never crucified crucified them see because they they played right into god's plan um Okay, so, uh, you know, let me go back and talk about those those end days of, of Armageddon. You know, the day will come when the, the angels will bind those fallen angels and be executed and stuff like that. But um, that the, the last days, these things are going to be re-released um, in the very last days to cause all kinds of havoc. You know, uh, they're going to get the the, uh, the Middle East all up in arms. And you can see that the comparison between the flood and Armageddon is there in Enoch. And it's also there when Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's not just about eating and drinking and being busy and not paying attention to when the flood comes. It's everything that was, it was going on in the days of Noah. Also, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, where they're going after strange flesh. It's, it's, it's angel mixing with human. Even Daniel says about that, that fourth kingdom that's different than all other kingdoms. You know, when it gets to the toes and they're mixed with miry clay and iron, that they, they mix their seeds. They, the kings, 
of the earth in those days. I already established who the kings of the earth are. They're the angels. In those days, mix their seed with men. And that's why it's partly strong, partly weak. And I absolutely believe that's what you're seeing today. Our leadership sucks globally. There, there's everybody. They all suck. They're horrible people. Horrible people. The, the bound angels in the abyss, and Revelation talks about this under the Euphrates, they're going to be freed in the tribulation. They're going to wreak havoc on the world. At the coming of the Lord, the angels are going to bind these guys. They're going to put them in the valley of fire with their chains, and then, then they're going to get the white throne judgment, be punished forever. So the judgment of these angels, it begins at the flood, you see, because they're bound and put into Sheol, the center of the earth, and it continues through Armageddon to the days of Armageddon. And then we see the chosen one, Jesus Christ, will be sitting on the throne. He's judging at the end of the tribulation. And he's throwing these into the valley of fire in Sheol. And after a thousand years of millennial rest, then they're going to be finally thrown into the lake of fire for eternity, following the great, that white throne judgment. And Azazel in Hebrew actually means strength of God, but there's a lot to read there in your Old Testament, Azazel, and about the scapegoat sitting out to the desert. Just a word of note here, when you're talking about these angels being released, one of the things that reminds me, and once again, I'm just spitballing, um, is it possible that CERN, that CERN, you know, trying to open up these parallel universes and these universes and, 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 and portals and stuff may have something to do with bringing these things out of Sheol could be, could very well be. So what we do know is that darkness binds the fallen angels that are now in the abyss. They're in Tartarus. Um, like I said, are they still active in there or not? I, I don't really, I don't really know. Uh, or there are other ones, but we know they're down there, but following Armageddon, uh, they will be led by God's angels to put in chains and taken to the valley of fire. And that's going to be close to the white throne judgment. And then they're going to wait their trial before God and then finally sent to eternal punishment in the lake of fire. And that's why the scriptures say uh, that the lake of fire was not created for humans, but for Satan and his angels. So as a human to be thrown in there with, with these beings is just um, a very, very sad, sad thing to happen because it was not created for humans to be punished that way. Uh, let's see. Jesus taught that the punishment of the scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites would be greater than even these fallen angels. So, I mean, that's something to take, uh, you know, in account with false teachers. So we're talking about Armageddon. Let's talk about Armageddon a little bit before we close out. In the days of Armageddon, in the last days, now Armageddon, uh, let's see, it's, it's a valley. It's 184 miles long, totally. It's known as the Valley of Megiddo or Armageddon in Hebrew. It's also called the Valley of Jezreel in Joshua uh, and in Judges. The Greek name for it is Estralon. It's a real place. <clears throat> so when Enoch says, the land of my chosen ones and the city of my righteous ones, Talking about Armageddon, uh, when we return with Christ to fight that. It's, it, physically, it's in the Great Plain, the valley 
like plain in central Palestine. It lies between Gilboa and Little Hermon on the east, interesting, and Mount Carmel on the west. It's normally thought of as a triangle-shaped area near the top of Palestine, an area about 15 miles by 15 miles by 20 miles. Um, the average elevation is about 200 feet above the Mediterranean Sea. It says the soil retains moisture in the winter rain. It has a lot of mud uh, that has affected many battles in the past. <clears throat> they say crops grow to a fantastic size in the area. Um, the trees don't really flourish on the plain, but on the borders, they really do. A lot of really nice trees. And um, they say that there's not been an area where more blood has drenched the land <clears throat> than uh, this area, Armageddon. Gideon's 300 fought there. Elijah slew the many prophets of Baal there. Philistines fought Saul and his sons there. Jehu defeated Ahab there. Many, many more battles have been fought in this valley. So it's, it's a valley of blood. It's, it's a place of war. The idea of uh, preparing for war is to sanctify. You know, it's the religious rites to sanctify the war by making sure it was the will of God to do battle. And Isaiah even says that God calls his saints and his army, his consecrated ones, in Isaiah 13, 1 through 5. So when you're reading Enoch and it says the land of my chosen ones, you can say the land of my consecrated ones, the city of my consecrated ones or righteous ones. So it's a battle cry. It's, it's us. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant preceded the army battle. Um, a lot of times they consulted a prophet or a man of God before they went to war. The king often addressed the host before the battle. A trumpet sounded before the battle. That signaled the call to arms. Priests often led the army uh, following the Ark of the Covenant, singing praises to the Lord. And all this was like preparation for the warfare of that day. And in coming back with the Lord to fight with him at Armageddon against the Antichrist and his cohorts, human, angelic, and a mixture of the two will likely have similar preparations. So, you can imagine that. So we want to be prepared to fight. We want to prepare to come back. Like I said, if we, we're not fighting now, you're not going to, how are you going to fight then? You know, you're not going to understand. If you don't start to understand now, you're not going to understand then. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir for the most part, but I, I'd like to remind everybody because we have just, we have a different variety of listeners. They're at different levels spiritually. And I think a lot of people listen to this show as, as kind of entertainment. And maybe they don't take things real, real serious, but we're really serious about this. So, you know, I'll end you with that. That the end result of the battle of Armageddon is that all survivors must fall down and worship the Lord. That's the end result. And, you know, this ends the second teaching of Enoch about the rejectors of God they're going to face Armageddon, these fallen angels and their human cohorts, hybrid mixtures, demons. They're all going to face Armageddon, the judgments to come. It's all waiting for them. God may delay the judgment on those who reject, but they will face judgment. God's mercy is beyond our comprehension. That's why time has gone on as it has. 
because of his grace and mercy. But there's a day we all, all are going to face that judgment. And these, these wicked ones, if they continue to reject the conspiracy of the devil to stop the Messiah from coming, it began with the angels at Noah's time. They wanted to mess up that seat of the woman. They wanted to totally incorporate the DNA of mankind into their angelic host. And they've done a good job of it. Uh, today, you can see that. If it wasn't for Christ changing people and giving them a new nature and making a new creature, um, we all got these this, this serpent seed in us. So they wanted to stop Christ from coming. So they did that by having sex with women, women giving birth to giants, polluting the seed, meant to corrupt the seed of woman. So a Messiah, a Messiah who could redeem mankind would never come. And that beginning of this conspiracy, it continues today with even more and more fallen angels and corrupted evil spirits still working to defile mankind and hoping to defeat the Messiah in his second coming. But we know, we know that's an utter fail. That's an utter fail. There's no way they can prevent that. Even with all the technology and all the nonsense that's going on today, all the artificial intelligence and trying to live forever, the eating of blood and the science and go into space, escaping earth. It's not going to work. We're all going to end up in Armageddon, either on the Lord's side in his army or on the other side. That's, that's where it all leads from the flood to Armageddon from Noah to Armageddon. And that is the end of today's message. God bless you all. Chew on it. Think about it. Do some of your own research. Look into some of these scriptures. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Good night.